Okay, hello, welcome. Welcome to Cop On Podcast. It's coming at you from Spain. You might hear the odd car driving past. I'm recording this with a blanket over my head to stop the echo that was in the last episode because I, I don't know, I just uh, want to come through as loud as, and clear as possible. Um, this is a, a special mini episode without a poem at the start. Um, we're just going to jump straight into it. I'm really, really happy that Doug is joining me from the, the Dugout Football Channel on YouTube and uh, it was Jamie Watson's idea he sent a message just to say can we record something as a tribute to the late great Gerard Ouye and I thought it was a great idea so I'm really really happy Doug that you're joining me um, and my first question Doug is when I mention the name Gerard Ouye um, which is the pronunciation, I'll get onto that in a moment. Um, but when I mention his name, Doug, what, I mean, you're, you're, you're significantly younger than I am. Uh, I believe you were nine years old when, when we won the treble, is that right? Yeah, I was, I was nine years old when we won the, when we won the treble. But uh, my, my, first, my first memories was, was um, you know, being, you know, named at, at that time, obviously, joint managers. You know, we had, you know, Roy Evans and, uh, you know, we had uh, you know Jared Hulier, so uh, that was that was quite that was quite a weird thing to have uh, to have happened. But um, but no, I mean one of one of my first memories was uh, you know the introduction of Stephen Jared. You know, Jared Hulier was the man who gave Stephen Jared his you know his debut. Um, I mean, I was absolutely distraught when I heard the news that he had passed away. Um, I know, I know that. You know, he left on. I wouldn't say it was sort of sour terms and sort of you know 2003-2004. I think I think the club moved him on in the right in the right aspect. But what you can say about Gerard Hulley was he was the he was the man that sort of started the sort of the the, the success and he got Liverpool fans to you know believe. Um, I mean, in 2001 is going to is going to be you know one that every every Liverpool fan will remember uh, as well. But um, I mean, what you can say about the man is that he was well respected, well liked upon the you know the football world. I think I think you can see from all the you know all the tributes as well. You know, there's been loads of tweets. There's been loads of you know tributes from you know players like 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 rivals of you know Gerard Hulley, like Tim Cahill when he was at uh, you know Red Bulls um, Red Bulls uh, in I think it was America. Or, um, it, it was very very sad when I when I heard about about him uh, about him dying. But I've actually got a couple of quotes, and I I just think this sums it up in the man that is uh, Gerard Hulley. And I'd like to I'd like to share some right now. So what I'm going to do is going to share this. Liverpool players must play like a lion. Give us all. There must be determination, commitment, and resolve to be a Liverpool player. Our job is to make the fans happy. When we win, 45,000 people go home happy. When we lose, it not only affects them, it affects their cats. I thought that was thought that was very, very funny. Uh, you can't, <laughs> can't, build, can't build a cathedral in a day. A look at the club's history tells you these things takes time. And then this is, this is what just sums up the man, is this quote. And I, I have to say, I thought it read very, very well into what we're discussing. When I see the Bill Shankly statue, I look at the sentiment on the base. It says, he made the people happy. 
Well, now the modern Liverpool is making the fans in the city happy, and that makes me so proud. Well, Gerard, you started this trend. You made us happy. You made us dream. 2001, thank you. And he is going to be so, so missed by everyone. He was just a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely, Doug. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I've been, I I teach English here, you know, and I I teach people involved in football and and unanimously, you know, I was actually speaking to one of his his old colleagues at the Federation, French Football Federation the other day, actually, and and we, you know, we had a long chat about Gerard Houllier and, and his his just the fact that he was he was a nice guy you know and everyone who i talk to about it they bring up the the word caring and this is you know one of my ambitions in life is not you know i don't want to be a millionaire um i want people to think of me as a nice person you know as a caring person and i think that's something that gerard had and he understood the value of that um, at the same time, he could be very strict. He could be very, um, you know, very, uh, I don't know, tough when, when, when he felt it was necessary. Uh, but, you know, all across the board, unanimously, people just have such respect for him. Um, on a personal level, um, one game that I will never, ever forget, because I so rarely uh, have the opportunity to go to uh, watch our beloved Reds in in person, but I was in Rome in 2001 um, on our way to the UEFA Cup when we were playing the great Roma team of that era. Um, I've got their team in front of me from that day. They had Cafu, for example, Walter Samuel, Antonioli in goal. They had Batistuta, Emerson, Candela. Uh, Hidetoshi Nakata I don't know if anybody remembers him but he was a great player uh, and Vincenzo Montella and Del Vecchio I mean this was an um, uh, an amazing Roma team that was established and I believe they won Serie A that year or maybe um, the year after or something um, but it was a great Roma team and then Gerard Julio with his unfancied Liverpool because it was it was the before round before the quarterfinals and um, you know, we turned up with uh, Vesterveld in goal, a defence of Babel, Hippier, Oncho and Carragher. Uh, the midfield was Barmby, McAllister, Haman, Ziga. And up front, we had Fowler and Michael Owen. And uh, we won 2-0. And I will never forget. I will never forget that. And it was Gerard Houdier who put us back. It was for me. It was that match for many, many fans. You know that match really put us back on the map in Europe because we'd, you know, since the ban, since being banned from European competition, we had a couple of goes at it with, uh, you know, with Sunes and and you know did very badly in Europe. And this was a match where, you know, suddenly Europe was like, okay, Liverpool are back and they're and they're serious and I will never forget that of course there are so many other great memories um, the pronunciation as, as I said before is Ouye. you don't actually pronounce the double L um, and it means if anybody's interested in languages and things it means collier as in someone who works with coal um, but yeah other memories of course you mentioned bringing Steve and Gerard through I was talking to someone called Joe on Twitter thanks for getting in touch who said yeah the treble team and bringing Steve and Gerard through were his personal highlights of 
of Gerard Houllier. And it was amazing. I mean, for young Stephen Gerard, who you mentioned before, Doug, um, you know, what, you know, could you could he have asked for a, a better boss? I mean, what, what effect from the outside um, could you see that Gerard Houllier had on, on, on Stevie G, our great captain? Oh, just just the, just like that moment against Sheffield Wednesday, you know, he comes on, makes his debut and, you know, he gets a goal, which was absolutely fantastic. And I think you you could see from, obviously, Gerard's press conference, like he was very emotional um, through, through that press conference. I actually watched that press conference that Stephen Gerard did and, he just he just had everything good to say about Gerard Gerard Houllier. Um but he just made him into you know a fantastic player you know um, you know obviously we, we obviously in, in those years you know Stephen Gerrard would sometimes play right back you know he would play centre midfield as well you know he he kind of introduced him into like a centre midfielder um, but obviously that that year. Uh, you know, 2001. I, I think, I think we, I think we had like a, a really, really good. We had a good record. Like I'll, I'll always remember like the the back-to-back wins against Manchester United as as well at uh, you know Old Trafford. Uh, Danny Murphy, who who can forget that as well. There, there was just so many good, good moments uh, in in there, and um, obviously the, you know the two 0 win where you know Jared scores an absolute screamer. Uh, past Fabian Barthes, I remember, remember that well as well. But I just, th- I just think the fact that he he probably couldn't have asked for a better boss at the time, um, and I think he he will always he will always be thankful for the fact that that Gerard Hulley was the man who gave him his his, uh, his Premier League debut. And you know what? Not many debuts go well uh, than uh, than scoring on your Premier League debut, which was. Absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I think I think Jared will always be indebted to Julie's, uh, you know, management. Yeah, totally, totally. He was. Uh, yeah, you could tell that you know Julia. He 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 had this sort of you know your, he was like your favourite uncle, you know, an uncle who would be you know just kind, you know, just a kind person, but then make sure you were on the right path as well. And Stephen Gerrard, he did. His aggression did get the better of him when he was very young, and this was taken out of him very delicately by Gerard Houllier without, um, you know, getting rid of Stephen Gerrard's, uh, you know, his edge. You know, there is a sort of cliche in football that, you know, you have to, you know, this, this aggression, like a sort of Joey Barton style where it's too much, is, uh, you know, it can be a good thing. Uh, because you know that's what give the play gives the players the edge, but I think that's nonsense. I think there is a line, and Steven Gerrard towed it absolutely perfectly, mostly, you know, with one or two red card exceptions. But think about the you know the great matches. I mean, I mentioned that two nil against Rome. I think in context that was a huge result in 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 the you know modern history of our club in the last sort of 30 years i mean not just because i was there that was a huge result but of course actually winning the, the treble that season a 5-4 uefa cup final win over alaves i mean you were 9 years old doug but did you watch it oh absolutely yeah i i absolutely remember it it was just it was one of those games where you you just have to watch over and over again um, and it's one of the few finals that was obviously decided by a, a obviously a golden goal. You don't get that anymore. So um, 
that but uh, I mean it was it was a cracking game um you know like they obviously had two players sent off uh Alaves but you know we went we went into a 1-0 lead very very quickly and then it was 2-0 and you know they they kept coming back at us but um the the one the one thing I will remember that night was um Gary McAllister's free kick that you know obviously the unfortunate player who I can't the life of me remember his name scored the OG and then obviously that wins us the UEFA Cup and that that, that final was uh, at uh, you know the one uh, the uh, uh, Dortmund Stadium, Signal Iduna Park uh, as well. Um, but yeah, that the the 5-4, uh, I mean, is absolutely it was absolutely fantastic to to watch. And you know, the scorers that night, I think I think Marcus Babel scored. I think uh, you know Stephen Gerrard scored, Michael Lowen, um, and you know it was just a very very good uh, good game as as, as well as well. But uh, I think obviously the UEFA Cup final. The FA Cup final at uh, you know the Millennium Stadium as well. Michael Owen inspired uh, us to to win to that victory. Obviously, we went behind very early on as well. And you know, Michael Owen had he had so much to to do to you know score past uh, you know Seaman uh, as well. But uh, yeah, that that those two games are are just absolutely fantastic. And I suppose you could talk about you know the you know the Birmingham City game. I mean, the Birmingham City game was tense it was nervy you know it was a game we really should have probably won but do you know what those those penalties uh i i, I don't know about you Owen, but i always get nervous when it comes to a penalty shootout i don't i don't know if you don't know if you feel the same way as as me so uh but um yeah three three games that obviously you know won us our our, our treble and uh obviously jared Hulley will always be remembered for that so but uh, yeah, the five four for me uh, is one of the best games I've ever watched. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. And uh, yeah, as for penalties, I mean, even if it's in 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 sort of normal time, I I absolutely I can barely watch. Even though Mo Salah's got a great record now, I'm always like, yeah. So you know, a penalty shootout. I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah, totally. Um, I couldn't watch the one uh, in two thousand and five. I I tried. I watched most of them, but when it came to the last. When it came to Shevchenko, uh, maybe even before, I was actually, I remember, I got to the pub at about 5pm to make sure I had the table right in front of the big screen in this big pub in Bristol. And to the, to, I was just, I couldn't, I had to, to sort of get up from that table and stand next to the TV and watch the crowd. There was a big, big crowd in that bar. And, you know, so that's just penalties in general. I, I, I can't watch, but especially when it's when it's a meaningful one. And that, uh, yeah, it was the same in that final. Yeah, I couldn't watch I couldn't watch the penalties. You know, we won, but I don't remember because I didn't watch them. Um, but, uh, yeah, that FA Cup final you mentioned, the Michael Owen Cup final, absolutely superb and the way that uh, and the own goal in the in the Alaves final was by uh, Gelly um, I think it's Delphi Gelly uh, I believe his name was um, unlucky guy but um, I'm sure he'll probably prefer that we forget his name maybe uh, <laughs> to be linked with that goal but um, yeah so uh, and I thought the crowd sang his name beautifully before last night's match I thought I thought it was a uh, it was a marvellous sort of spontaneous 
uh, tribute. Uh, the crowd singing his name with such passion, and he will be fondly, fondly remembered and and uh, mourned uh, for now. So, um, you know. Uh, but Gerard Houllier, I, I, that was the moment yesterday. I was terrified going into the Spurs match yesterday. I really was. I, you know, just looking at the form of, you know, even just Harry Kane. I believe in 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 ten in thirteen games he had nine goals and ten assists, something like that. He's not in my fantasy Premier League team, but uh, that's my bad, I suppose. I'm sure lots of you have him in your team. But uh, yeah, Harry Kane in, in sparkling form and, you know, up against Reese Williams in defence. But as soon as I heard that song, Doug, I thought, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. We've got a real chance here because this, you know, we are such an emotional club. And it was a really emotional start to that game. Oh, it was. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think I think the fans got us through the game last night. Um and I even like obviously I said I said to you I said to you in our, our, our group chat I said uh, I said I was confident like I I got I, was, I said it was going to be two one I think I said Sal and Manny to score so I was I was quite I was quite close to that one uh, that one and I it's thought Harry came with it I thought Harry came with got a you know a dodgy uh, a dodgy penalty but to be honest that is a huge win for us um, because. You know the way that Spurs have been playing. Yeah, you know, I, I think obviously I, I saw a lot of tweets last night saying that football had won over anti-football. I mean, Spurs just sat back. They just sat back and they just counter-attacked us. And you know, the one the one moment you know in the first half, you know, they had that they had that one shot and uh, you know Son obviously, you know, scores. But I thought we absolutely battered them. Uh, from you know start to finish, obviously in terms of obviously possession of obviously having like you know touches in the opposition box uh, as well. I, I think I think I saw I think I saw we saw we start. I think we had 17 shots to their six. Like I can't remember their six. I know Bergvine hit the post uh, a couple of times, but uh, I was so so made up. Um, I was so made up for uh, Roberto Firmino because I tell you something Roberto Firmino with, with, without without obviously naming names has had a lot of criticism this season but I've stood I've stood by him and what a bullet of a header I mean you're not going to see a better header of uh, of a football at the, than that one so it was a it's a fantastic victory and it kind of puts us uh, obviously top of the table again let's hope we stay there fingers crossed um but that is a huge huge win and i think it's a psychological advantage now over tottenham knowing that we've beaten them you know we've got them i think end of january as well so i think looking at that that game you know we could go into that and think okay if we can beat spurs at anfield we can beat them again i i actually think that was our biggest win of the season so far Yes, I would agree. I would agree with that. I thought it was an absolutely huge result because, um, you know, so many excuses. We have so many excuses. Um, I made a list of five world-class players that were missing from that match. I mean, we can't play all of Virgil and Joe Gomez and, and Joel Matip, but they're all fabulous defenders. And then on top of that, of course, Thiago and Jota. But then I forgot, of course, we were also missing uh, James Milner, um, this is a, a decent excuse to, to to not win a match. Um, 
And then, you know, Naby Keita on his day is world class. We know that, but he's got no rhythm, as Klopp said. Um, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as well is a fabulous player um, with rhythm. But uh, obviously he's he's had a, a lot of uh, injury problems. So the excuses were there. We didn't need them. We came out 2-1 and we were by far the best team. Some stats from Squawker that I got. I got quite a few Squawker stats today to get to get through. But, you know, I mean that in the, in the most positive way because I love these stats. 17 shots to 8, according to Squawker, with uh, 11 on target to us and just 2 on target for Spurs. Possession was 76% for Liverpool and 24% to Spurs, if your maths isn't that quick. Touches in the opposite opposition box I love this one 41 for Liverpool and 6 for Tottenham Hotspur and Jurgen Klopp I love this comment he said I thought Mourinho said the best team lost it was not heated at all at the end of the match I thought he was joking I love that comment um so, because <laughs> um, yeah, we were the better team. They had they missed a couple of chances, but you know, long ball, route one, Sam Allardyce. Is Mourinho just Sam Allardyce with a bit more cash? <laughs> wow. Um, I, I mean, I I'm not surprised that they sat back because obviously we all, all know about obviously Mourinho, you know, sitting back uh, before. But I tell you something. Their biggest chance in the second half, I know we've obviously Bergvine in the post, was that Harry Kane free header? I, I, I don't know how he misses. You know, he completely misjudges the, the flight of the ball and, you know, he, he kind of heads the ball into the, down into the ground. and You know, that went over the bar. I, I think that was a big, big let-off for, for us as well. But I thought over the, the course of the, you know, the 90 minutes, I thought we defended really well. Yeah, you know, we let, you know, we let Spurs in a couple of times, but your, your stat there, 41 touches in the opposition box. I think that's absolutely incredible. But it just kind of says that, you know, there was only one team looking to win that game and one team that was wanting, you know, to, you know, to have a smashing grab, etc. And um, I, I think I think it's a, it's a testament that we kept going, kept, kept on, you know, pushing uh, as well. And for me... If you've got anybody over dead balls, then, you know, Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson, to be fair, has been picking up a couple of assists recently as well. Um, but, yeah, you've got anyone, you know, Trent or Robbo, you're always confident of, you know, corners getting into, you know, finding someone. And I, I think the thing was, we were very dangerous from corners last season. And it's it's now, it's nice to, you know, score a winner with, with, a, with a bullet header from Roberto Firmino. I like Mark Lawrenson's comment. Mark Lawrenson said it came off the meat of the forehead. And I really like that. Uh, yeah, um, he gets criticism, Mark Lawrenson, but I think he's one of the best commentators. He's he's a sort of quietly very witty man, I think. But anyway, um, yes, I don't know. Do 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 send in your, your disagreements to coponpodcast at gmail.com if you care to slate Lauro, but I love the guy. Absolutely love the guy. Um, yes, uh, so uh, some more stats. I mean, from Squawker, at Squawker, S-Q-U-A-W-K-A on Twitter, um, about Curtis Jones. Curtis, Curtis. Um, in what was his 11th or 12th, I can't remember, uh, game for Liverpool, um, he's 
become a Ballon d'Or contender in my mind. Um, I, I'm not getting carried away um, if he continues that kind of form because, check this out, 106 out of 113 passes were completed, which was the most in the team, and that sort of Chabi Hernandez-style dominance. Um, and the entire Spurs side completed 152 passes, so Curtis Jones alone, 106 passes. Um, 16 final third entries... Nine ball recoveries, four out of five aerial duels won, four interceptions, four penalty area entries, including the one that led to Mohamed Salah's shot and goal. He had three shots and he created two chances. And there's another lovely graphic that uh, Matt Holcroft, hello Matty from... The cop on WhatsApp group, he, he posted this stat, I don't know where he got it from, uh, and it's successful passes in the opposition half. Tottenham Hotspur, the entire team had 57, and Curtis, Joan, Curtis Jones had 81 successful passes in the opposition half. So <laughs> it's absolutely mad. Him alone, he had 50% uh, more passes in the opposition half than the whole Spurs team. And um, we talked about Gerard Houllier bringing through Stephen Gerrard. And it's way too early to make comparisons with the great Stevie G. Of course it is, Doug. But I want to ask you how excited you are to have the great Curtis coming through. Oh, Curtis Jones. I mean, the guy has taken his chance and, and full credit to him. I, I, I said, I've said a couple of weeks uh, in quick succession, this guy is undroppable. You just cannot drop him right now. He is in such good form. Um, there's even, like, obviously we, we, we don't really want to get carried away because there has been outside talk that England are looking at him potentially he could maybe go to the Euros now I think it'd be a bit early but it would be an option it, he would get the experience obviously to you know go go with the, the England team to the Euros but I, I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's, if it's too early but what I can say Curtis Jones has been absolutely fantastic and you know he's probably nailed down a midfield place right now um Obviously, with you know Thiago out, Keita out, but that that midfield three of Van Aldem, Henderson, and Jones just it just works. It just works so so well. Um, yes, I, I think you can see the comparisons. You know, with Curtis Jones to to Stevie G. Yes, it is a wee bit early to be doing that, but what you can say is Curtis Jones has now probably become one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's too early for him to go to the Euros. I mean, you know, I'm just looking at some England national team results. I mean, I don't follow them at all, but uh, they beat Iceland 4-0, but then they lost to Belgium 2-0. Uh, they lost to Denmark in October 1-0. Uh, they drew with Denmark uh, in September 0-0. They scraped past Iceland 1-0 in September as well. Um they, I mean, they're pretty rubbish. They've been rubbish for most of my life, if not all of England's. Well, with a, with an exception of a few years, maybe. But um, yeah, Curtis Jones. Who do they have in midfield? I, I would rate him, for example, higher than James Madison 
and I believe he gets into the England midfield um, because he's got a lot more about his game. I saw, I've seen a lot of Leicester this season. I've been watching a lot of football. It's been a, a great time, really, to you know to to study the lovely game, the beautiful game, the wonder game that is that is football and. James Madison looks wonderful, you know, his technique, uh, he, he's got a few flicks, he's got a few tricks, but he doesn't have the end product, and Curtis Jones was driving us forward yesterday, he was absolutely, he was a man on a mission, and it was absolutely terrific. Another guy who I really wanted to talk about was Jorginho Wijnaldum, and I talk about him almost every week, because it does seem like he hasn't pen, put pen to paper, I mean, that would be the ultimate Christmas present. That's all I want for Christmas, is Genie to sign his contract. But I want to talk about his performance yesterday, because there's something that, you know, I started noticing this season, really, really, really noticing, and it's the difference between the chaotic... Uh, ball in midfield when the ball is bouncing around and it's spinning and it's deflected off someone's shins or you know there's a long ball from the defence and then there's the the second ball that's bouncing down Jorginho Wijnaldum you watch him yesterday is an absolute he's a genius in that position of just bringing this crazy ball down and laying it off in one fluid movement quicker than anyone else on the field. He uses his body supremely well. And um, he was excellent yesterday, again. Uh, talk to me about Jeannie Wijnaldum. What does he mean to you, Doug? And what would it mean to you to see him pen that contract? Oh, Jeannie Wijnaldum is, like, obviously from being close to, obviously leaving the club to you know, being a mainstay in the Liverpool midfield, he's just getting better, better and better. Um, again, another name that cannot be dropped from the, you know, the starting lineup. He's so important to our midfield, you know. He's an absolute machine as well. It's just, it's just get. It, he, honestly, I think the thing is with, with Gini Van Alden is that he is, he is probably disrespected in, aspects from obviously you know rival fans like people people will obviously take to him obviously as you know his record away from home is, is not is not the best but what you can see is 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 a very hard working player um and to be fair 25 million looks like an absolute steal now from uh, from Newcastle what would it mean for him to sign the contract i would be absolutely delighted if he signed a new, a new contract and finish his career at, uh, at Anfield and then we can get do the do the, do the nice genie celebration that uh, everyone I think has uh, had stuck in their uh, their brains since the uh, the Wolves game <laughs> yes the curly f- wiggly beard hand yes I love it what a tribute to Virgil that is fantastic um uh, other top performers from yesterday who stood out for you Doug Reese Williams I thought Reese Williams actually played very, very well. Um, I know there were a couple of, you know, times where you know we looked like we were obviously playing high line, etc. And yeah, I thought I thought Reese Williams and, and Fabinho were pretty good at the, at the back. Um, I actually also thought that probably the only player that you know, every, everyone played a part yesterday. There's there's no no denying that. Um, I thought Trent was a little bit poor. I don't don't know about don't know about you. I, I think he's maybe getting back up to back up to speed. But even then, I would give Trent you know an eight out of ten, and you know I'd probably give everyone else probably nines or tens. It was that good 
uh, a performance yesterday and um you know Ali can't really do anything for you know the you know the song goal as well but uh, no I thought I thought the midfield three were fantastic uh, you know the captain's performance from obviously Jordan Henderson I thought Reese Williams was absolutely superb Fabinho get Fabinho is just getting better and better at centre back as well um, you know as soon as soon as you know Thiago comes back and obviously you know Virgil and you know Gomez come back and obviously the near future it's Klopp's going to have a bit of a dilemma, you know, because Fabinho has proven that he's a he's a very good centre back. Uh, he, obviously, you know, playing in the you know central defensive midfield role, but uh, he's been absolutely fantastic at the at the back. But uh, ev- everyone everyone played played their part last night, and uh, I know Manny, you know, I know Manny didn't get his didn't get his goal, but I tell you something, he 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 had Ori on toast yesterday. Yeah, he did. He did, especially in the second half when Aurier was... Because uh, it was a great battle to watch all night. I mean, I thought sometimes Aurier got got the better of Mane, but uh, by the... You know, Mane was moving him around, and that's something that I'm, I'm going to get on to talk about. But uh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to get too sidetracked or, or stay stray too far from the defence that you brought up there, because a couple of things on that... Um, Firstly, Reese Williams, yeah, he was the first name out of your mouth when I said who else stood out. Uh, more stats from Squawker from you. Um, he won every single duel he contested against Spurs. And that's against, you know, England's golden boy, Harry Kane, uh, you know, who's a danger as far as I'm concerned in more ways than one, the way that he contests those high balls. But anyway, Reese Williams against uh, Kane and Son, he won every single duel he contested. That's seven ground duels and six aerial duels. So 13 duels out of 13, he won. And for a 19-year-old playing against the England captain and one of the best players in the world in Son, um, he's, he's absolutely terrific. And there's something about Fabinho, you know, I say it every episode, I absolutely love him at centre-back. I think he's, he's, he's absolutely world-class, the best defender in the Premier League. Uh, but, well, apart from Virgil, um, uh there's something I want you all to look at, uh, including you, Doug, and all of the listeners. Um, when Bergvine hits the post, it rebounds to more or less the centre of the goal. Fabinho is the first to the ball to clear it. And I look back at, and I noticed it today when I look back at the highlights. You watch Fabinho's run because there's there's a double header. It's all it, you know. This is why Sam Allardyce, you know, Mourinho is just Sam Allardyce with a, you know, a, an exotic name to to British ears. Um, so there were there was a long ball, a punt from the back, and there was one flick on, and then another flick on, and it was it was uh, Son who got up above Fabinho, I think, for the second flick on, and Fabinho is on his bike. And Bergwijn, he knows that he's not going to get back. He's not going to catch Bergwijn. And there are so many defenders who slow down a little bit. They're still running back, but they slow down a little bit because they know they're not going to get there. But Fabinho, bless him, he's absolutely wonderful. He did not slow down one bit. And he managed to outpace Son 
who was who is faster than Fabinho, and he started sprinting Son, but then he realised no, Bergwijn's going to take a shot, so he slowed down. But because Fabinho didn't slow down, he was able to get to that rebound first. And it's just a little detail I noticed from the match that just I don't know my my love for Fabinho is already you know a thousand out of a thousand. But you know if it's possible to go one more than that to turn that amp up to eleven. Then that's how much love I've got for Fabinho. But Reese Williams, yeah. I mean, if he bulks up, um, you know, to, to be able to handle, you know, the huge threats in world football, such as, you know, Duvan Zapata, wonderful player, then, you know, then I think he's he's definitely got a future at Liverpool. I mean, even just in the last episode, I mentioned that, you know, I would be really happy if we signed a defender in January. But after a performance like that, from young Reese, I'm not so sure. Um, is he changing your mind, Doug? I, I, I think, I think, uh, I think Reese Williams is, is uh, not put a foot wrong since he came into the came into the team. Um, I think every game he's played, he's he's looked really, really good. Um, I, I am with you though. I, I do think, you know, I do think of you know Fabinho or you know Mata bless his soul and you know he, he can't stay fit to save himself unfortunately but um yeah I do I do think we still need a need a center back um I have to say from obviously watching Fabinho I, I'm going to I'm going to say something that I, I think may, probably most people would probably agree with me Fabinho has probably been our best player this season would you agree It's a good question um I, I mean, I, I would have said Andy Robertson until uh, the last match, you know, against Fulham. I thought he was just a bit tired. Um, but so that's just sort of one bad, not even bad performance. That's one not great performance from from Andy Robertson this season. And the rest, he's been nine or ten out of ten. But Fabinho, yeah, I'm really struggling to think of a bad performance. I don't think I don't think he's had one. But uh yeah, I mean he's 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 definitely in the conversation, Doug, along with Vineldum as well, uh, the machine, as you said. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What what do you think? You'd you, you'd rate him that highly? I I actually think he's been absolutely fantastic this season, and I think, you know, look, look at some of the, look at some of the players that he's had in his back pocket: Timo Werner, Jamie Vardy, Harry Kane. You know, you don't. You don't do that if you're not a if you're not a good player, and you know he's managed to do that as well. So, I Abamyang, of course. I just I just think for me, he's been our most consistent performer this season. Yes, you know he has missed games, etc., because he's you know he's been injured, but he's so so important. And I just think for me, obviously you know Salah Salah has been absolutely fantastic as well. You know. I just think, for me, Fabinho has been our best player so far this season. It could, it could well be. It could well be the case. Um, let's talk about tactics. That tactical battle, defence versus attack. Um, I think it really was a victory for attacking football over over the stodgy defensive stuff because. You know, you see the lineups before the game, and they put that graphic on. I wish they would they would do it honestly, because as I say, I watched back bits of the game. I was actually analysing the game for part today. is one of my lessons, which is really interesting to do. And um, you know, we we were talking about um, you know basically 
Mourinho's got four central defenders on the edge of the box, but in the box, like the same the, the same width as the box itself. So it's four central defenders basically. You can't say there are two and then two wider fullbacks. Everybody's squeezed into that line. Um, so it's four centre backs, and then in front of them he had either four or five players. When Harry Kane dropped back into those spaces, he had five players. And it's almost like a back nine. Um, and they did that from the kickoff, 12 seconds into the game, they were in that formation. And it it works in terms of, you know, Atletico Madrid. Um, you know, how do, basically, we've had years since Mourinho won the Champions League doing that. We've had years and years of people trying to figure it out. And I think Klopp really, really figured it out yesterday, Doug. I don't know if you, you know, what you noticed about Klopp's tactics that you liked. But what, what I really loved about the tactics was it, they, it was so bold. It was, you know, unflinching, unswerving. Our plan was to stretch the fields. We know that Tottenham want to nick the ball and break like lightning. They break so quickly. That goal from Son that was offside, by the way, I checked today, um, uh, you know, was, was, was seconds. And that's the Spurs plan. So you have to have, you know, balls of steel, balls of, of graphene, the, the hardest substitute, substance known to man, in order to, 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 to even attempt that tactic of playing both Trent and Robbo all the way over on both touch lines, which means that Tottenham have to stretch out and they have to leave these tiny little spaces that can only be exploited by very quick very accurate passing and I love that from Klopp because not only did he play play that way and, and, and the players had the dexterity and the technique and the guile and the wherewithal to pull off that tactic but it was it was so nice that the expansive game triumphed over defence. What did you make of the tactical battle? Oh, well, I mean, I mean, it was just attack after attack after attack. I mean, someone actually put on Twitter earlier said Mourinho's seven-two-one formation worked for most of the game, but then you know, obviously, you know, the sucker punch in, in the end. But you know. I, I like I like the fact that we kept kept attacking attacking them. Um, I thought I think to be honest, Hoyberg was lucky to be on the pitch anyway. I thought he should have been sent off for the amount of persistent fouling that he did as well. Um, I thought I thought our I thought the crossbar was going to be our our enemy again. Oh, how many times did we had the crossbar last night? Oh, really annoying. But um, you have to say that yes, it was a win for attacking football. I. I I don't look. Mourinho, Mourinho is a winner. Mourinho is a fantastic manager. But this this idea of you know sitting back and you know, and then like allowing you know them us to come on to them and you know for them to counter attack us, it, you know it does work. And as you say, you know Atletico Madrid etc. You know works works for them as well. But yeah, I, I think. As as more as the game went on, and you you know watching watching the game back, you 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 always felt that Liverpool were going to get a winner. 
You always felt that. Um, yeah, you always felt, you know, that, you know, the sucker punch was obviously going to be there as well. You know, if, if they had got the, the, obviously, Harry Kane header, which I, I still can't believe he missed, which is, which is crazy. But, yeah, the more I felt the game went on, the more I felt we were going to get that winner. And yeah, I, I was so happy that we did because, you know, the, the last few minutes were so tense, were so nervy that, you know, they they attacked us. Um, and, you know, we had to do a wee bit of defending, which I thought Fabinho and you know Williams did did, did well. But uh, yeah, I thought Klopp was Klopp was pretty ballsy in what is uh, is in his approach yesterday, which I really really liked. But yeah, I, I felt as more as much as the game went on, I thought we were going to get the win. Yeah, that's a great answer. I I. I... I wasn't exactly confident that we would, but I was I was definitely daydreaming about it. Like, you know, just what if, you know, what if we were able to to make something of this, you know, to get those three points? It happened. Um, what was your reaction, Doug, when that goal went in? I absolutely, I couldn't scream because I didn't want to wake up my mum downstairs, but I was running around the upstairs on the carpeted bit, like on the rug, so that it didn't make much noise for downstairs. I was actually running around, and then I dropped to my knees, and I was punching the air, and I was sort of praising the heavens when he scored that goal. What was your reaction? Well, who lo- who doesn't love a last minute winner? I I, I screamed. I absolutely screamed. I could I could not believe it. Um, it was just one of it's just one of those games where you just feel frustration and you know like we obviously we didn't take our chances and you know we're going to come back to you know be haunted by that but I absolutely screamed the place down I'm not going to lie um, I love I love last minute winners and especially if it comes against you know Jose Mourinho as well and uh, yeah his recent record at Anfield is not not the best obviously he got sacked as Manchester United manager after the you know the three one defeat. Um, uh, but he obviously won't get sagged by, uh, by by Spurs. But uh, it's I I get the feeling that like a top of the table clash, if you get a late winner, it just brings more emotion out in you. I don't know. I don't know if that's don't know if that don't know if you feel like that or not. But I just I just felt it was a, a big big relief when we got that winner, and you could see Bobby Firmino. I mean. His celebration was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? He just he ran to like most of the, he ran to the halfway line, and that beaming smile that he, that he has as well. Yeah, I think, and then the fans singing the song as well. I just I just thought that was a fantastic moment and quite fitting for you know someone who has been you know cr- criticised uh, a lot recently as well. But uh, yeah, I kind of screamed the place down. So yeah, apologies, neighbours. Yeah, well, I hope your mum wasn't sleeping. Uh, but no, okay. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, it's it, in terms of it, I thought I think it's you know, it's obvious. You know, it's so it's such an obvious thing to say that even Michael Owen said it today that it felt like a statement from Liverpool. But it, it did um, in terms of being three points clear but what I really liked is Andy Robertson's interview after the game I, I, I've seen one with Klopp the post-match press conference I saw one with Trent in which he was fully uh, you know giving giving tons of praise for for Reese Williams which is which is great uh, to to see Trent bigging him up and he was also had some interesting things about to say about Curtis Jones like 
Now, Curtis, you know, after a performance like that and the way that he's playing, you know, his life will change with everything that comes with it, but he has to stay focused. He has to know what he wants to do. And I thought that was great too from Trent because uh, Trent obviously knows all about that and knows all about keeping his consistency high and that's what he needs to do. So hopefully Curtis can learn from those around him. I have every faith that he he can do that. And um, But my favourite interview was Andy Robertson because he was like, yeah, yeah, it's great to win, but it means nothing if you don't follow up on it, which was great because it was just after the match. The sweat was still on his forehead and he was concentrating, basically saying, right, we've got to concentrate on Palace and we can't let this slip because this is a, if you pardon the expression, because uh, this is, uh, you know, this is this is going to be a, a very tricky title race. And we've got to, he's basically moving on to Palace immediately after the kickoff. Um, Crystal Palace, I, I was, you know, trying to research them. They're, they're an up and down team. They win some games 4-0 and 5 one and and things like that and then they lose to Burnley they're up and down but they have some absolutely excellent players it's the breakfast time kickoff on Saturday Doug um how do you feel about that one uh, so it's always a tricky place to go to Selhurst Park um obviously I know I know obviously they don't have the crowd because obviously I know London's gone back into you know tier three uh, etc so uh, you know we won't have the you know we we'll won't have a crowd there. So, but it's always a tricky place to go to. Um, I'm quite pleased that Ben Teki's not going to be playing against us because uh, he got sent off I think for two yellows uh, against West Ham. So he, he's in he's he's been in pretty good form recently. Um, yeah, it seems to be back on the goal scoring uh, trail at the moment. Um, but. Obviously, we have to be wary of Zaha. We have to. I think Ezi is one to look out for as well. I think I think he's been pretty good uh, recently. Guaita is a very good goalkeeper. They've got us. They've still got a very very good team, and you know Roy Hodgson will obviously want to want a result over uh, over us. But um, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a very very close one. Um, I actually I think I think we can win. Um, you know, to go it would be fantastic to go six points clear. Uh, not not denying that uh, at all, but um, I think I think pass like I've, I'm looking at our I'm looking at our fixtures now. Obviously, you know, festive period wise, and I think I think pass is a is a is a tricky game. I think it's a game that we can win uh, for sure. Um, I think our games after this are like West Brom at home, and then I think Newcastle away, and then I think it's Southampton away, and then I think it's Aston Villa away in the FA Cup. So. It's quite a quite a tricky tricky we we run, but obviously the the big news is that uh, you know Thiago's back in training. We might have Ox, we might have Keita back, we might have Shakiri back. It's things are things are on the up as well. So, um, and if I'm being honest, I'd keep the same team that played um, last night against Spurs. I, I I don't I don't see any other thing not to not to change the team so i would i would definitely keep the keep the same keep the same 11 because as as the saying goes why change a winning team yeah that's interesting that's interesting idea um Jurgen Klopp, I mean, I would agree we, the, the same team would would work very well, but Jurgen Klopp didn't make any changes last night. Do you think that will affect Crystal Palace? Do you think we'll be a bit more tired or, or we'll just trust that they're 
you know, they're, they're fit enough to go again on Saturday. I think I think it'd probably be one of the one of the things. Probably trust them, trust them to be fit, fitter. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. As I said, I don't see any. I, it was quite weird. I think that was. I think I've, I, I, I heard this earlier. I think it's the first time since May two thousand and four since we didn't make a substitution. I, I, I could be could be wrong. Could be wrong completely in that. But uh, it was a long, long time since we haven't used a, a substitution. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think I think I think I think we'll be I think we'll be fine. Keep keep the same team. Um, we've got a bit of a break in between, you know, as well to the you know the West Brom game, uh, which I think is on the twenty seventh of uh, of of December. I might I might be wrong with that one as well. But uh, um, we do have a bit of a break in between, so. Even if even if we you know even if we make a you know one or two changes, I think I think we'll be fine. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've got the fixtures in front of me. Yet Crystal Palace away, and then West Bromwich Albion at home on the 27th of December. So from the 19th to the 27th, it's an eight-day break uh, for Christmas. They can, you know, put their feet up. They can relax with their families. Uh, eight days is a, is a heck of a long time for this for this team so you know they deserve a break so yeah the last gargantuan effort but i'm a bit worried about crystal palace uh, in terms of their form from fbref.com i've got a few of their team stats their record is one five drawn three lost five with 18 points at an average of 1.38 per game at home they've played six they've won two drawn two and lost two um, I think Roy Hodgson is uh, really underachieving with this team because I think they're really, really good. If you look at their lineup for the last match, even though they only drew with um, West Ham away, I mean, it's still pretty good results, the, the form that West Ham are in. Um, but they had Zaha and Benteke, as you mentioned up front. Uh, Benteke had two yellow cards, so yet he'll miss the Liverpool match. Uh, they had uh, Eze. MacArthur, whose player I really like, Milivojevic likewise, and Townsend across the midfield. Uh, and then at the back, Patrick Van Arnholt, brilliant left back. Uh, Scott Dan, who's, who's useful. Kuyate, who's very aggressive, sometimes overly aggressive, but he's, he's a super player. And Joel Ward at right back, who's underrated. And as you said, Gaeta in goal that's a really good team they should be they should be above mid table with any other manager but i think with hodgie it's going to be 442 liverpool struggle with 442 generally speaking but i think it will be we will have to move them around like we moved uh, spurs around last night that's going to be the key can we keep the ball can we you know dominate the midfield and just you know, quick, sharp passing. Another, you know, masterful showing from our midfield three is definitely what's required. Um, Doug, I want to thank you for for joining me uh, on this, you know, sort of episode. Very emotional, I don't know, about about Gerard Houllier and, or Ouye, if you prefer, the French way. And, uh, you know, thank you very much for for joining me and talking about all this and, 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 and reveling in the Spurs result and looking forward to, to Palace on the weekend. So, you know, any predictions for Palace? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the two one. Uh, I think I think we are two one FC 
quite quite recently. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one. I think I think it'll be a really hard game. Uh, they seem to nick a goal against us anyway every time we go to Sellers Park. So yeah, I'll go I'll go I'll go two one. That's great. I would be absolutely delighted. Um, I, I think it's the last effort. I think uh, Curtis Jones. I mean, if he's already after eleven games. Um, you know, one of the best players in the entire universe. Then I think you know, with an extra game behind him, he'll be he'll basically play like the Incredible Hulk. Um, so I'm going to say two nil to Liverpool. Um, but we shall look forward to it immensely. Thank you, Doug. Have a great evening. Thank you very much, and I've I've, I've really really enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, nice nice to rem- reminisce about uh, you know. The great man that is Gerard Hooley, uh, he will be very, very sadly missed. And uh, the euphoria of beating, uh, beating Tottenham. And uh, yeah, we move on to a really tricky game against Crystal Palace. But, uh, but no, thank you very much, Joe, and I, I've really enjoyed this. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Speak to you soon. See you later.